Chapter Nine, Part Two of *The Nightland* by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Nightland*, Chapter Nine, *The Dark Pyramid*, Part Two. Now I waked very sudden, maybe seven hours after, and I acknowledge within me that my spirit did wot of some nigh danger, and I get upward from the rock very quiet and had the discos ready in my hand, and I looked swift about me in the moment that I did wake, yet did see nothing, for there was naught on the ledge with me. And I crept to the edge and looked downward, and lo, I did see that there came up the rock two humped men, and they did climb very swift and silent, and I perceived that they smelled me and came to destroy me, and I made ready the discos to do battle and ceased not to look downward and I saw how that the humped men did seem to be humped by reason of their being so monstrous thick and mighty of the neck and the shoulder, as that they had been human bulls. And I saw that they were very strong, and by the speed of their climbing I knew they were swift, and so did I make steady my attention and my heart to the saving of my life, for truly I did know that I should be dead in a little or they. Now I stepped back a space from the edge of the rock and had the discos very ready, for it was needful that I should kill one of those brute men speedy, that I have no danger that one take me in the back whilst that I fight with the other. Then in a moment it did seem there came upward of the rock edge the great and brutish face of the man, and in that moment that I slew him I did note curiously how that he had large teeth upon each side of the mouth and was aware that he had come so quiet as a great cat. And in the backward parts of my brain I bethought that even thus, maybe, was primal man, so that a strange and secondary questioning and wondering did live in that part of me. And I did learn from these scarce conscious reasonings that I was of the belief the thing was truly a man, but very crude and dangerous. And surely it is strange that I had all this thought in that little moment, but in verity so it was, though I doubt not but I bettered it with afterthoughts when a while had gone. Now the first man died ere his great-haired breast was come upward over the rock, and he sank back and sagged and fell dully, and I heard him bodge downward from rock to rock, very lumbersome, and so in a moment was silence. Then did I look this way and that of the ledge, for the second humped man was not yet upon me, and I feared that the pause did mean a cunning mischief and strategy. And when a little time had passed, and all the while I was ready with the discos, and naught did come upward to harm me, I stepped very soft to the edge of the rock ledge and looked downward, but there was nowhere anything to see. Now for a little moment I did think that the brutish man had run off, being feared by the death that I did deal unto the first. Yet I put this from me at once, for I did wot that such a creature did not like to be fear in such wise, but was rather set to some horrid cunning of attack, as I did fear, and was somewhere below me among the holes of the great rock. Then I did think sudden that he might be gone upward, so that he should come down upon my back, and I looked upward of the mighty rock but did see naught, and afterward I stooped forward a great way beyond the edge, so that I should perceive whether the man did hide beneath. 
and behold, he was there below me, and crouched under the rock-shelf ready to his spring. And in that moment he made unto me with so mighty a leap as any tiger should give, and he came half over the edge and gripped the discos by the handle in an instant. And surely I had lost that trusted weapon or been pulled over and cast into the depth, but that the discos did spin and the earth-current did make live the handle, as was intended, save where the grip was set. And lo, the man gave loose the handle very swift, for it had burned and shaken the creature sore. And I staggered back with the effort I had made to withhold the discos, and the brutish man came upward again over the rock-edge and leapt at me. Yet he gat me not, for I sprang into my right and made a blow with the discos even as I did leap. And the blow came something short, but yet harmed the humped man with a gash upon the belly, very sore and horrid among the great brown hairs of the man. And immediately he sprang after me, but I smote full at the face, so that he leapt back from the strange roar and blaze of the discos, and yet was harmed. For he got not right free of the blow, but did be cut very sore on the mighty and haired arm. Now seeing that he was something feared of the weapon, I ran in upon him, and smote again at the face. Yet was the man gone out of my reach before that the blow did reach, for truly he was quick as a panther, and immediately he did leap unto the ending of the ledge, where it did join upon the rock, and he caught the living rock between his two hands. And truly the rock must have been splitten there, for he tore out a monstrous lump so great near as my body, and did run upon me with the rock above the head of him. Now I perceived I should be smashed in a moment, if that I did not slay the man very quick, for so mighty was he that he did leap this way and that way after me, as though the great rock did cumber him no more than it had been but a light matter. And you shall perceive that I leapt this way and that way to avoid the man, and twice did strike him, but yet was feared to break the discos upon the rock, which the man did use as a shield each time that I did make a blow. And all the while I did act to escape when that the man should cast the rock, as I did conceive at the first to be his intent. Yet truly it was as that he had no wadding that a rock may be thrown, for he strave only to come at me with the rock that he should crush me as with a monstrous club. And in verity what should a man do against so horrid an attack? And time and oft did I leap now to the right and now to the left, and again in a moment I did cut the humped man. But the blow was something turned off by the great rock in the hands of the man, yet so strange and mighty was the power of the discos that it shore away a small portion of the rock and did come to no hurt in itself. And surely I had presently failed in wind and limb, because of the leapings and chargings that I did make, and because of the weight of the armor that was not overmuch yet to be considered, but that I fainted not was by reason of the wondrous hardness and leanness that I was grown to, with so constant a journeying and straight living, for the tablets did keep the strength in a man, though truly they ease not the yearnings of the belly. And lo, even the brutish man did grow weary, and the hot breath and body stink to come from him, and surely who shall wonder, for always he did rush to and fro upon me, with the monstrous rock to crush me. 
and sudden I leapt unto the right of the man, thinking within me that I did perceive a chance that I should cut him upon that side, but truly he was less a-wearied than I did know, for he came very sharp upon me and had me between him and the wall of the rock, and surely I had no room to make escape, and had died in a moment, but that I made a sudden sham toward the left with the discos, as that I should leap that way. And in the same instant I did go to the right with a strong bounding, and immediately did come in upon the humped man from that side. And I put my fortune of life to the stroke, and stood anigh to the man, and I smote him across the middle part, before that he did wot of my intent. And the blow slew the man very surely, and did nigh cut the mighty creature in twain. And surely he fell, half-leaping even as he died, so that the monstrous rock that was in the hands of the brutish man did crash down almost upon my feet, and I leapt very high that I should escape the thundering of the rock. For in verity I was near slain in that last moment of the life of the humped man. But yet I lived and came free of death, and did have a relief of happiness about my heart, as you shall believe. Yet truly I was much shaken, and a little weakness took me, so that I was fain to go down upon the rock-shelf that I have back my strength. And presently I was grown steady again, and I took my gear and did haste down the rock, and so was come presently to the earth again. And I saw the first of the humped men that I did slay, lying very quiet a little off from the bottom of the rock, so that I went round upon the other side to avoid the man, for it was no pleasure to mine eyes or to my heart. And truly it did trouble me always to make a death. And when I was come round upon the other, which was the seaward side of the rock, I perceived that I was yet shaken, and I remembered that it were wise to eat and drink and rest a little before that I did go further upon my way. Now as I did sit there at the bottom of the rock, I looked upward at the strange crown thereof, and until that time I had been taken up with the fight and with the gazings this way and that to see whether there came others of the humped men to work me in harm. But now that I was given some ease of the mind and of the body, I saw plainly that I knew the thing that lay upward upon the rock, for the shape had been something strange and half known to me even before that moment, as that I had a vague knowledge concerning it, but yet with no surety. And now, truly, I did know in a little instant that the thing was one of the olden flying ships, the which, as you shall mind, there were certain in the great museum of the mighty pyramid. And surely I was ready to wonder why that I had not seen the thing plain before that moment, yet was this like to be because that there was a shadow upon the other side of the great rock, but upon this side there was a little fire-hill away off to the cliff-edge, and this did throw a warm light that made a glimmer upon the dull metal of the ship's bottom, which was uncovered to my sight and was surely of that same deathless grey metal that made the great redoubt. And yet, as you shall believe, even as I said this thing to my mind, that the strange matter upon the top of the rock was truly one of the olden airships, I did feel that I should be proper to doubt. For it was a very wondrous thing to perceive a thing common to man in that utter strange country, and after that I was gone so far off from the mighty pyramid. Yet in verity I did know in my heart that it was indeed that which I did perceive it to be 
and I did stand and walk to and four and look upward constant, for I was very keen that I look well upon it. And truly, as I did look from this place and from that place, it was scarce a thing for wonder that I had not watered it to be an air-vessel, for there were great trees and abundance of earth and living matters upon the topmost side of the ship, so that none could easy perceive it to be aught save a great and desolate rock that did lie upon the other rock. Yet truly it was as I have told, and presently I did make to climb upward of the great rock, that I should come to the air-vessel to enter it. But yet was this not proper, for I had surely no duty save to go forward forever until that I found the maid, but yet did I spend a little while to the searching of the ship, and I do but set down that which I did, and with a serious spirit. And truly, as it doth here occur to me, I do be ever seeming a serious young man, as you maybe shall have grown to think, but yet was I to a dread and serious business, and the strain did be too great upon me, and the trouble too much pressed upon my heart to give me much of laughter, as you do surely perceive, and so you to give me your ear and your understanding. For, indeed, before that I did lose Murdath my beautiful one, I was not over-grave, but so young and joyous as any. Now it took me a great time to go upward of the rock, for it was so monstrous steep and high. Yet presently was I come nigh under the bottom of the ship, and here I did perceive that she had been sore battered in that far-off age when she did come upon the rock, for surely, as I did perceive, the peak of the rock was through the bottom of the ship, so that the metal was burst this way and that, and very plain to be seen in some parts. But in other places the earth and growing matters did make a hiding. And after that I had climbed this way and that way, I perceived that I must come to the topmost part by the plants that did hang over and grow downward. And after that I had pulled upon them, to know that they were strong to hold me, I went upon them, and was soon to the top of the ship. Yet truly, I might so well have been upon the earth, for the ship was covered above by the earth and dust of a monstrous age of years, so that I was like to need much time to dig downward unto the ship, and because of this I considered a little while, and afterward made no more to search her, but did go downward again, that I should come once more to my journey. Yet, as you shall think, it was with a queer thrilling of the heart, and with strange thoughts upon the end of those that did come, maybe, to a bitter and lonesome dying in that ship of the air, in that far-off time when she did fly. And surely it did seem to me, as I went downward of the great rock, how that the flying-ship had been there for an hundred thousand years, and that mayhaps the sea did live all about the rock in that age, and truly this was no improper thing to think for it was like that the sea had been monstrous high and great in those days, so that the rock was but a little island in the midst of the sea. And now was the sea gone small from a great sea to lesser seas, and this through an eternity of years. And always, as it doth seem to me, had the ship lain upon the rock, and looked quiet and silent over the change and wonder and the lonesomeness of all that country of fire and water for ever. But how the airship did come upon the rock, how shall I know? Save, maybe, it does seem as that she might have flown low over the sea in that olden age, 
and came hard upon the rock because, maybe, there was one to the helm that did steer unwittingly. And again it shall well be otherwise, and I do but set down mine odd thoughts, and such as they be they have no especial use, save that they do show to you the different workings of my mind at that time, as I did go downward, and so to set you the more in possession of all that I did have knowledge of. And presently I was come again to the earth, and did go forward with a great speed, so that I should waste no more of that day. Yet oft did I think upon that ship hid there upon the mighty rock, under the wondrous quiet ashes of eternity. And I went eighteen hours walking, and in all that time I did see no more of the humped men. Yet three times I was put in a sudden danger, for there went past me thrice, between the fourteenth and the seventeenth hours, great flying monsters, that were winged very ugly, and did go, as I thought, in a great bounding, rather than that they did fly proper as doth a bird. Yet I suffered no hurt from these, for I was swift to hide between the great boulders that were very plenty in that part, but no trees. For I was gone now past the forests of trees, there being none since that I had gone through a very shallow river that I came to about the thirteenth hour, and this I had waited and sounded my path with the staff of the discos, but I had kept mine armor upon me, lest there be things, even in water so shallow, that might bite and work harm upon me. But I got through pretty quick, and had no hurt done me. Now I had eat as ever at the sixth and the twelfth hours. And by that the eighteenth hour was come, I was nigh again unto a forest, that came down to the very shore that went alway upon my right. And I to be very sore and wearied, as you shall know, for I had fought very desperate after my waking, and afterward climbed the great rock, and then again to journey, so that it was by this nigh to one and twenty hours since that I did sleep. And surely I looked this way and that way constant, and did see no place proper to my slumber. But afterward I considered I did be a fool, to lack such, for truly the trees were plentiful, and I could climb a great one and strap my body safe and so have a sure bed for my rest. And I did this thing, and went upward into a great tree, and did tie my body to the tree with my belts, yet I eat and drank before that I went up the tree. Now when I was fast upward in the tree, and had made a bed upon a monstrous branch, and had the discos ready upon my hip, so that it should not fall but be nigh to my hand, I lay a little while thinking upon Nani and I went not over to sleep immediately, which was strange, yet mayhaps because that my bed was so uncertain. And I considered very gravely how that it was a monstrous long while since that I did hear the master word from the dear maid, and truly I was come a dreadful way from mine home, which was the mighty pyramid. For I had gone onward for ever through five and twenty great days of travel, and was not yet come to any place that did appear like to be that place where the maid did abide. And it did seem that I might even wander onward in that great country of fire and water, for a time beyond all that I had before gone. And this thought did put a great weight of trouble and weariness upon my heart. For the maid had been in sore need of me, and I did feel sudden to be all adrift in the wilderness. But before this time it had seemed as that I surely went aright, 
and mayhaps your sympathy shall tell you just how I to feel in the heart. And after that I had lain there very awkward and thought upon all matters, I minded me that I would try the compass again upon the morrow, but had no great hopes of the machine, yet did be willing to try aught to see where I had gotten to. And truly, as it did come to my mind, if that the compass did point a little as I did what it was used to appoint in the lesser redoubt, then in verity I was surely come something more anigh to that unknown place of the world than I did dare to believe, and this to be plain to you. Then a little time did pass in which I did wake and sleep and wake and sleep a little, but with no surety of sleep, but as that I was very tired of the heart and did but lie too weary to come properly to sleep. And odd whiles I did lie with mine eyes half to open, and to look very dreamful upward among the dark branches of the tree, as they did show black and pretty against the redness of the shining that came from the sea, for there was stood a great and bright-burning fire-hill in that part of the sea that lay off the shore from me. And above the glaring of the fire-hill there was the deep night that did brood for ever above in a monstrous black gloom of eternity, and did make the red smoke of the volcano to show deep and mighty and thunderous-seeming, afar up in the great dark. And the red and shining smoke did but show the utter hugeness of the night, that had been upon the world through the great ages. And in verity as I did lie there so dreamful, it did come to me afresh how wondrous strange was mine adventure, and how that I did lie warm and alive in a country of red light and smoking seas. And truly, as I did remember and consider, there was a great and lost world above me, upward through the dark, maybe an hundred and fifty great miles up in the grim night. And this thing did strike me very solemn, as I did lie, and I do trust that you conceive how that there was in truth afar above in the eternal and unknown night the stupendous desolation of the dead world, and the eternal snow and starless dark and, as I do think, a cold so bitter that it held death to all living that should come anigh to it. Yet bethink you if one had lived in that far height of the dead world, and come upon the edge of that mighty valley in which all life that was left of earth did abide, they should have been like to look downward vaguely into so monstrous a deep that they had seen naught, perhaps, save a dull and utter strange glowing, far downward in the great night, in this place and in that. And surely, as you have seen, I have set the great deep of the valley to be maybe an hundred and fifty miles of night, for as you do mind, it was conceived that the valley of the nightland was an hundred miles deep, and may hap to be more. And I had come from that place downward of the mighty slope, and of the gorge, a very great way. Yet, in verity, I do believe in my heart this measuring was utter wrong, for I think the deep to have been monstrous, beyond these miles that I do give. Yet have I no proving of this belief, and do set it down for no more than it is. Now presently I had ceased from these vague thinkings and half-dreamings, and was gone truly to sleep. Yet nowise did I sleep very strong, but did seem to come anigh to wakefulness this time and that and as it did chance, this was mayhaps a very good thing for my life. For I did presently come awake more surely, and did turn on the great branch, for there was a noise in the air that was not the noise of the great fire-hill. 
and the noise did grow very heavy and lumbersome. And in a moment there came seven humped men, running among the trees, as that some monstrous thing did pursue. And immediately they were beneath the tree in which I did lie, so that a great fear came upon me, and I loosed the belt from the branch that I should be free to fight. And directly upon this I saw that the men did leap upward into the tree beneath me, but not as that they did wot of me or make to come at me, but as that they did pay a great heed to some creature or happening that was far off among the trees. And surely the noise did seem to come from that part, and did grow loud and mighty, and the humped men did all crouch very silent, and did make no noise or motion one to the other, but were quiet upon the lower branches. And as I did look now more to my ease, I perceived that they each had a great stone, and bloody, that did seem that it were split to a certain sharpness, even as a stone doth break very natural. And they carried the stone under this arm or under that arm, so that they had their hands free to all matters. And alway the noise did come more anigh, and I saw that a humped man did come running from among the trees, and did run beneath that place where the seven humped men did be on the branches. But they made no sign to the man to save him, yet truly it was very plain that some monster pursued the man. And immediately I saw how this thing was. For the humped man upon the ground did not run so fast as might be, and I conceived that he did act to make some creature to come after him, to pass under the men within the tree. And surely this thing did prove to be. For there came very quick a great and ugly thing, that had an ugly way of putting down the feet, and did have seven feet to each side, which was very strange. And the back was as that it were horny, and the belly of the thing did seem to brush heavy upon the earth, and it grunted as it went, and shook the earth with the weight of it, so that a monstrous noise came from it, upon so hasty a journey. And I did wot that it was not such a thing as did properly pursue after matters of food, but did rather eat of that which did need little haste, but a monstrous strength to gain. And that it did so make after the man was in truth because that it had been wounded and made fierce, for indeed there came blood from the creature from great wounds upon the back, but how these were made I could not know in that instant. And it did go under the tree in which I was hid and in that moment, when it passed under the tree, the seven humped men did leap out of the branches, and did catch to the brute by the great horns of the spine, and I saw that the wounds were in the joints of the spine, as was plain when the back did work, with the going of the creature. And the seven humped men took the sharp stones from under their arms, and did strike very brutal in the wounds that were in the joints of the spine and the creature roared and cried, and went onward into the trees at a great speed, and in all the time that it ran the humped men ceased not to strike with the stones. And sudden, when it was gone a distance off, it did roll very swift over upon the back, first to the right, as that it would go that way, so that the humped men did leap off upon the other side. And immediately the creature rolled to that side, and there ran clear of the brute only four of the humped men so that I knew that three were slain. And afterwards they that lived ran beyond the beast and got up into a second tree, 
and the one that was chased did entice the creature to follow, and so did tease it once more to pass beneath the other men, and they very swiftly again to the back of the creature. And so from my sight, striking with the great stones, and the beast bellowing very loud and piteous. And how many of the humped men there were to the beginning of that strange hunting, I know not, but surely there were few that lived to the end. And surely there were such things as this in the beginning of the world, and again was it thus in the end. And I did ponder this a little while, as I did sit upon the great branch, and hearken unto the sound of the hunting, that was now gone a great way off, and was presently beyond my hearing. And afterward I gat me to the earth, and did look this way and that way, to see that no beast was an eye, neither any of the humped men. And afterward I eat two of the tablets, and drank some of the water. And when I had got this far to a readiness for my going, I minded me that I should try the compass again as I did intend. And surely the machine did point between the north and the south, upon the westward arc, even as Nani had told unto me. Yet, as it did seem, with somewhat more of a southward pointing than she had made me to think. And because of this telling of the compass, a great ease came upon my spirit, for surely was not this but a sure sign that I did go direct unto that hidden place of the world where the lesser refuge did abide. But yet was not come over close, so that the pull of the mighty earth-current of the great redoubt was something stronger than in the place where was the little pyramid. And all this did I think very swift to myself, and had a glad uplifting of the heart, as you do perceive, so that I went forward upon my journey with a great stride, and did scarce fear any strange thing that all the country did hold in that moment. And I went all that day at a strong pace, and did be oft tempted to send the master-word unto Nani, yet did keep from so foolish an acting, the which, mayhaps, had brought straightway upon me an evil power, and had given me to destruction, when that I was near come to the succour of the maid. And it was this quick and constant fear of the evil forces of the nightland that did keep me ever from calling unto Nani, lest that they should discover me and follow after. And this I doubt not you to know by now so well as I. Now by the sixth hour I was come into a part of the country where there were an exceeding abundance of steam-fountains and springs and great upboilings of water in basins of rock and the air did be full of the sounds and the roarings of the boilings and the spoutings, and of a hot mist and spray, so that truly I had scarce the power to see to my front, nor to any side. And here presently I made a pause, and did eat and drink, and afterward went forward again, and I did keep the shore of the sea always to my right, and so did go proper to my way, yet with no great ease, for the sea also did steam very strong in that part, and because of this great fog of steam I was surely much laboured to make a great speed, lest, unseeing, I go headlong into a hole of the boiling water. And in the ninth hour I did go clear of the hot boilings, and was come again free of the mist and the steam, and might look with mine eyes to my going. And surely, as I did perceive, I was come to the end of the great sea that had been ever to my right. For it did go against the feet of great and monstrous mountains, that went upward for ever into the night, 
and it seemed that they were the hither wall of that strange country of fire and water. And so was I stood there very much taken upon doubt, for how should I go farther? And after that I had been there a while in a bewilderment of doubt and of wit, I went to the left, along the feet of the mountains. And truly, this but of common sense, for how might I go any other way, save I go back again? And at the twelfth hour I eat two of the tablets, and drank some of the water, and went forward once more. And lo, at the fifteenth hour I was come to a place between the mountains, even an upward gorge, very dark and gloomy, and without light for a great way. And in verity I did not want to go up the gorge, in that it was so dreary a place, and narrow, and horrid, and drear-seeming, after the light and wideness of the country in which I did yet stand. And presently I did go past the mouth of the gorge, that I should learn whether there went another way out of that country, and this wise for a great hour or more along the feet of the mountains, and did presently come to a monstrous black river that was, maybe, a mile wide, and it to be very shallow, and seeming as that the water scarce to cover the mud of the bottom, and here and there a great steam did come from it and spurtings and moundings up of the mud in many places, and monstrous babblings and puffings up of strange smoke, as that a great heat went beneath it in this place and in that. And surely it went backward into the country for a mighty way, so far as my sight did go, and I did think it to be no river but truly a further sea. And there was no way across, for there were no trees anigh to make me a raft, neither might I wade across, for it might be shallow here and deep there, and the mud be in all places, and moreover I had been like to be caught in one of those upburstings of mud, even did I have a raft to go upon. And because of all these things I gat me back again to the gorge, and presently I did go upward into the darkness. Now I went upward very steady save that I did stumble oft, and did go through six great hours. And truly it did seem that I went in an utter dark, because that I had been a while in so constant a light. And by that I had been six hours in the gorge, I was gone right away from the country of the seas, and did be as that I was back into some place that was like to the dreadness of the night-land. For there were in this place and in that place of the gorge, red fire-holes, even as in the night-land. Yet not many until that I was come a great way up of the gorge. And there did be life of horrid things about the fires, as soon I did what, so that I made to keep off from them. Yet, as you shall perceive, I must come oft pretty near, because that the gorge was nowhere scarce an hundred good paces across, and did oft come very narrow so that I did come oft anigh to the fire-holes, whether that I did heed to or not. And all that time and ever did the gorge go very sharp upward, so that it was a very weary thing to make great trial of speed, as you shall know. But yet I went so fast as I could do, for I was grown sudden very excited about the heart, and to feel as that I did surely draw anigh to that strange and hid place of the world where was the lesser refuge. And when I had gone upward through six great hours, as I did say, I took caution for a place proper to slumber, for I was surely very wearied. 
and I saw a place presently afar upward of the dark side of the gorge upon the right, where a ledge of the rock did show in the glaring from one of the fire-holes that made a gloomy light in that place. And I climbed unto this ledge, and did find it to be secure, and awkward to come upon. And presently, after that I had eaten and drunk, I did compose myself unto sleep, the which came very speedy upon me, whilst yet I did believe I thought only upon the sweetness of the maid. And truly it had been something over three and twenty hours since last I did sleep, so that I was greatly awearied. And in six hours I waked and did eat, and did climb downward again to the gorge, and so unto mine upward journey. Now, as you do perceive, when that I was come properly a great way up the gorge, and had come among the fire-holes, there was no more an utter darkness, for the dull red glare of the pits beat upward upon the black sides of the rock-mountains, that did make the sides of the gorge, so that oft I did see both sides very plain in the lower parts, yet of the height of the gorge who might know aught, for the black sides did go upward for ever into the everlasting night. And because of the light from the fire-pits, I did see, time and oft about the fires, horrid monsters, both that were snakes and others like to scorpions, so great as my head, but no more than these for a long while. And afterward I perceived that surely other matters did move among the rocks of the gorge, so that I did keep the discos very ready in mine hand, yet had truly no use for it all that day. Now I eat and drank at the sixth and twelfth hours, and went onward at a very strong speed. And at the sixteenth hour I did seem as that I knew the ether to be stirred about me, and the beat of the masterward very faint upon mine inward ear. And immediately a wondrous great and lovely thrilling did wake all my being. For surely, I said, this was the spirit of my love calling unto me with her brain elements and indeed this was a very proper and sensible thinking. For had the master-word been sent from the mighty pyramid, I had been like to hear it very plain, by reason of the force of the earth-current which was with them and to their command. But, as you do know, the earth-current was nigh gone from the peoples of the lesser refuge, so that they were over-weak to make any proper calling. And this I have spoken of before this place. Yet in a little while, as I did stand very hushed, that I should hark the better, I was come to doubt whether that I did truly hear the master-word. And one moment I did say that it had surely beat in the night about me, and immediately would I be just so unsure, and so in a while I got once more to my journey, and had doubt in my heart, yet, as you shall conceive, more of hope and because of this thing I went onward for thirty great hours from the time that I did wake, for my heart was excited within me. And when that I had gone so long forward as this, I did see how that I did foolishly, and I looked about for a place for my slumber, and I found a small cave that was clean and empty, and as I did discover by the shining of the discos which I made to spin a little time. And the cave was in the cliff of the mountain that made the right side of the gorge, and was nigh twenty good feet from the bottom of the gorge, and hard to approach. And when I was come secure into the cave, and sure that it was proper to my purpose, I eat four of the tablets, as was just and nice to my belly, and did afterward drink some of the water, and so to my slumber. 
and all the while very sweet and strong in my thoughts upon Nani, so that surely I was a little time before that I had myself rightly unto sleep. And I slept six hours and did wake, for I had set my spirit hard into such wakening, yet was I still greatly yearning for sleep. But this did go somewhat, when that I had fought a little with my need. And afterward I eat two of the tablets, and drank some of the water, and did get my gear upon me, and was presently down into the gorge, and so again to my journey. Now in all that day I did go with a very stern speed, for it did seem as that my soul did know for surety that I was truly come something nigh unto that hid place in the night where I should find mine olden love again. And the sweet hope that was bred of the calling that had seemed truly to sound about my spirit was in all my being and more sure on that day than before that I had slept. And I went thirty hours in all, even as before, ere that I did come again to sleep, and I eat and drank at every sixth hour, so that my strength should abide within me. And by that I was come to the ending of the thirty hours, I was sorely awearied, and gat me upward of the monstrous cliff that did make the left side of the gorge, having perceived in a place a great ledge of the rock that did seem very proper for my purpose of slumber. And when I was come upward upon the ledge of the rock, I saw that there did seem something like to a mighty spider that did stay half without of a hole in the back part of the ledge. And I smote the thing gently with the discos, so that it was very quickly dead and afterward I searched well about, but did gladly perceive that there abode there no other horrid creature. And I eat two of the tablets, and drank some of the water, and did afterward make me ready for slumber as ever. But now I did put the cloak well about me, for truly there was grown a chill into the air of the gorge. And here also will I tell how that it did seem unto me that the air was gone something from that great thickness and strength which had been with me in the past days of my journeying. Now I was gone so tired that I fell upon sleep in a moment, yet with a dear thought and anxious concerning Nani, but was so starved of the body for slumber that even mine anxiousness kept me not awake. And I was then so fast with sleep that I knew not for eight hours a very sound slumber, and then did I awake, and very thankful of the heart that no evil beast or creeping thing had come upon me whilst that I was so utter lost in sleep. End of chapter 9, part 2